Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. In a post-real world, people are scared of what's on their phones, and they have a really good reason to be. I'm Annie Reese. This is Politico Dispatch. I am Sam Sabin, and I am a cybersecurity reporter here at Politico. Healthcare data shared through telemedicine apps is protected under HIPAA, but apps like period trackers and heart rate monitors that contain a huge amount of identifying information about your body aren't. Health apps, period tracking apps, geolocation data, text messages to friends and family, emails to your provider, digital calendars that maybe reveal when healthcare appointments were, social media posts. There's a lot. We're still learning about how state prosecutors will enforce abortion bans state by state. But prosecutors have a history of using online search data to charge people who have allegedly had abortions. In 2017, for example, a Mississippi woman's Google search history, where she had searched for abortion pills, was part of the evidence that was used against her in a second-degree murder case, although the case was later dropped. Now, the repeal of Roe v. Wade has triggered a fresh wave of anxiety about government use of personal data and just how much data there is. Just a note here, after I talked with Sam, Google announced that they will delete location history for people who go to abortion clinics, domestic violence shelters, and a few other sensitive places. It's one of the first things a big tech company has pledged to do to protect online security post-Roe, but there are still questions about how exactly Google will do this and how long it will take to delete this data. So, on the show today, cybersecurity reporter Sam Sabin on what you should know about your digital privacy. Roe was repealed a couple of weeks ago. My timeline started to fill up with women in particular saying, delete your period tracking apps, delete your period tracking apps. So tell me about the conversation around period tracking apps. What's going on? My feed was the same way, just filled with warnings, people saying, delete it. You don't need it. And a lot of this is in response to what a lot of people in privacy and cybersecurity spaces have known for so long, which is just that our phones have so much information about Mm -hmm. us. They know where we go. They know who we're texting. And if you have a period tracking app, it has that data about when your menstrual cycle was, whether or not you've been pregnant recently, and any other information that people maybe are putting through those apps. And so when the Roe decision came out, I think a lot of people saw deleting your period tracking app as an achievable goal, right? It's Mm -hmm. something that you can do super fast, makes you feel a little bit safer. And part of that is because there's this fear now that all of this digital data about us, including when our menstrual cycle was, like when we last had sex, everything that usually is so private is Mm -hmm. on our phones. And law enforcement and third-party data brokers, they have this information. There are ways for them to get it super easily and legally. And what are some of the most common period tracking apps? Do you have any information about the number of people who have downloaded them? And I'm also curious about what information they actually have in more detail. Like it goes well beyond when your period is, right? Totally. And that depends on the app. I mean, each app is a little different. Um, Bigger players like 
flow have millions of users. And then there are, of course, smaller ones who maybe just have a couple thousand downloads every month. I mean, it really runs the gamut. These apps like have so much more than just when someone maybe was on their period, when they missed it. Mm -hmm. The data pool there is just so rich, right? It includes identifiable information, right? Typically, people put their names in there. They have their emails in there, maybe their Mm -hmm. birthday, all seemingly normal things when you're signing up for an account on any online service. But they also include, you know, whatever other information people are tracking in there that's health-related It's all information that typically people think can be super private and will never be seen outside of their app or outside of their own device. And in this digital world that we live in, that's not always the case. Right. I mean, so we've been talking about period tracking apps, but you've also been writing about how those are really kind of the tip of the iceberg. You know, more generally, like what are the digital surveillance threats to be concerned about in a post-real world? There are so many. And that's a big reason why, I mean, the initial wave has been focused on what I kind of see as like the achievable things like deleting your period tracking app. It's really easy for someone to wrap their head around that because a lot of the other surveillance threats, which I don't mean to sound too doomsday about, like are very difficult for individuals to do anything about immediately. It's all going to take a really long time to change and write laws about. But a lot of the other digital surveillance threats, uh, maybe that people and cybersecurity experts are worried about, really lie in two camps. There are one, law enforcement access to this data, and the other one is related to third-party sales of data, right? So in the Mm -hmm. first situation, you have law enforcement officials who are able to issue um, requests to private companies to think Um, Facebook, your email provider, or your period tracking app, and request information about certain users or just aggregate info. Hey, we want to know who the people are that express interest in Planned Parenthood. Or, hey, we have suspicions that Sam maybe was seeking abortion care in a state that's super restrictive. We need to see her messages, her likes, everything like that. And depending on the company, Some companies will comply with those requests. Some companies won't. And a lot of companies will tell you if there's been a request like that about you, but it's kind of difficult to push back on. And it all depends on the legal nuances. And those are really tricky to outline as like abortion laws change so rapidly in this post-Roe world. And so that's a big concern that people have. The same also applies in that situation to your phone data, right? Yeah, like location tracking. Yep. If you are tracked or if someone, you know, if they want to get your text messages and maybe you texted a friend, oh, I'm pregnant and I'm really worried about it. I live in Texas. I don't know what to do. That can be seen as intent if later on you're seen as someone who police officers suspect of like getting an abortion. The second situation also ends up feeding into law enforcement, which is just concerns about how much of our personal data is sold online. Mm. There have been stories already about data brokers who are selling aggregate information about the people who visited Planned Parenthood clinics. There have been other stories, maybe not related to abortion, but in other criminal situations where law enforcement has been able to buy that aggregate data and use that in their investigations to track people down to figure out how big of an issue this is or whatever else they may believe they need it for in their investigatory work. So there are so many things and these are all things that 
if you talk to anti-abortion groups or cybersecurity specialists, these are all things that require like changes to laws that allow for this type of data collection. Um, and that, of course, in Congress takes a long time uh, as mm-hmm. with any issue in this narrowly divided Congress. And so there's so many issues and that's just talking about, you know, threats maybe to potential patients. There's even more when you're talking about threats that are posed by anti-abortion groups who maybe want to target the remaining abortion clinics in the country as well. Are there steps that Congress is taking to protect this data? I mean, now that Roe has fallen, I think it's just bringing up a lot of privacy concerns in general anyway. Yes, Congress is doing some things right now, kind of focused on privacy. In a way, uh, the Roe decision has really maybe reinvigorated the ways in which lawmakers think about privacy issues. For years, lawmakers have been trying to even come up with a bipartisan agreement on just a general law that would regulate how companies collect data about you, where they store it, whether or not um, they even keep that data about you or delete it. And that has been so hard. It's been going on in the recent iteration for at least four years. And we still don't have a bill that all parties, Senate Democrats, House Democrats, House Republicans, everyone agrees to. Mm-hmm. So it it is difficult. However, in the last couple of weeks, we have seen a few Democratic lawmakers in both the Senate and House start to introduce bills just around the idea of protecting health data and location data because of the Roe ruling. In the House, Congresswoman Sarah Jacobs has introduced the My Body, My Data Act that mm-hmm. would basically, if it were to pass, would basically prevent companies from storing any non-essential health data about someone. So period tracking apps would not need to store data about your menstrual cycle unless for whatever reason it's essential, but it shouldn't be um, Mm -hmm. in this situation and in the way that the law is written. And then a group of Democratic senators led by Elizabeth Warren have also introduced a bill banning data brokers. So those third-party middlemen who kind of like collect data from companies and then sell it around in various places. This would prevent data brokers from even selling information about people's location and health, right? So these are the two key data sources that people are most concerned about um, after the Roe ruling. Um, Again, both of these bills are just uh, introduced by Democrats and especially with Mm -hmm. a narrowly divided Senate right now without any Republicans' uh, support. It's really hard to see them moving forward, but we are kind of seeing this like reinvigoration, more action um, in the privacy space in Congress than maybe we've had in the last like six months to a year or so. So things are happening, but they're moving at the same pace as, you know, Congress usually moves and whether or not something happens is kind of up in the air right now. Given all of this, how can people, is there a way for people to search, to safely search online for information about contraception, plan B, abortion pills? The answer is yes. There are ways for people to still safely search for this information and to get access to this uh, through a variety of different services. The key is just being proactive, which is always hard when someone is worried about their health and just going through the high stakes of oceans that come with trying to seek out an abortion. However, 
you know, people can use encrypted chat services like Signal, right? When something's encrypted like that, even the company can't see what you're saying and what you're telling people, which makes it so much harder for law enforcement to then ask that company for your tax because the company can't see them. They can't hand it over. Mm -hmm. You can also use private browsers like Tor to do very basic Google searches. It's a similar concept. It's encrypted. It's hard for Tor to then hand it over. It's also decentralized. So figuring out who you make that request to is really tricky, which helps people when they're trying to seek out this information. And there are plenty of abortion rights groups that also are offering advice and help and trying to figure out how to safely navigate in this world. So there are plenty of hotlines that let you contact them through um, encrypted emails like ProtonMail, which same idea, hard for ProtonMail to hand it over if they can't see the email or to text them and call them through Signal. But a lot of it relies on like encrypted messaging services or encrypted browsing experiences as well. Even in period tracking spaces, there are apps that don't collect the data that you put in there. So there's an app called Yuki, E-U-K-I, that a lot of cybersecurity experts are now recommending in part because the data that you put in there is localized to your phone. So Mm. Yuki has no idea like how you're tracking, what you're tracking, anything like that. Um, And so that makes it easier, right? So for law enforcement, it's a little bit trickier to get their hands on your device. But if they go to Yuki, Yuki will be like, we don't know what we have no data. We have no record of who Sam is. I guess she downloaded it, but that's all I know. Um, Mm -hmm. So there are a few services, but the key is finding things that are encrypted and also finding things that maybe um, allow for a bit of anonymity or um, that are mindful about where they store data about you in their networks, if at all. Sam Sabin, thank you so much for talking with me. Of course. Thank you for having me. Today's episode of Politico Dispatch included music composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Be sure to follow Politico Dispatch if you haven't yet, and if you can, leave us a rating and review. It helps more people find the show. I'm Annie Reese. Thanks so much for listening.